The presenting sponsor of Top Docs is Netflix. Now presenting the documentary series, Escaping Twin Flames. From Emmy nominee Cecilia Peck, this three-part documentary series pulls back the veil on Twin Flames universe, a controversial online community that preys on people looking for love. Den of Geek says it tackles one of the more interesting subjects that streaming has in some time. Escaping Twin Flames is available now on Netflix. Hi, I'm Ken Jacobson, and welcome to Top Docs. Today, we're coming to you live from Park City, Utah, at the 40th edition of the Sundance Film Festival. Thanks to Amos Cochran of EditScore for hosting our 2024 Sundance interviews. EditScore is a new music library with an innovative approach to finding music for your film. Today, I'm speaking with Angela Patton and Natalie Ray, the directors of Daughters, which is having its world premiere here at Sundance, actually tomorrow and is part of the U.S. documentary competition. Angela and Natalie, congratulations on the world premiere of your film, and welcome to Top Docs. Thank you. Thank you so much for having us. Absolutely. It's great to have you here. First for our listeners, a brief logline. Daughters follows an innovative program called Date with Dad, in which incarcerated fathers have a special dance with their daughters inside the prison. This program was started by the organization Girls for a Change that you, Angela, founded. And so let me start with you. Can you talk about what Girls for Change does and why you felt there was a need for such an organization? Girls for Change is a nonprofit organization based out of Richmond, Virginia. Our mission is to prepare Black girls for the world and the world for Black girls. And one of the things that we do specifically with girls is co-create with Black girls to advance opportunities for them. But our core work is really helping girls find their voice. So we make sure that they see or feel that there are changes in the community that they want to make. We give them that power. And we say, how would you like to tackle these issues that you think impact you? And so one of our programs, a girl action team, the girls decided they wanted to do a father and daughter dance, specifically because of all of the I would say challenges that they've heard or experiences that they've had on their own with their fathers. They wanted to change it and they thought it could be done through a dance because it's special, right? You get to be with your dad and have dinner with them. You don't have interruptions by your mother or some other outside influencers. And when the girls decided to put this dance together, that was really just for the community that most of us know about, right? We all heard of a father-daughter dance. It was one little girl named Faniqua who could not attend because her father was incarcerated. And so she expressed that and did not want to continue to participate. But together, she and the girls rallied that idea to take the dance into the prison. So the girls did what I asked them to do. They used their voices, amplified them on their own, wrote a letter to the sheriff, and asked to have this special dance inside of the jail in Richmond, Virginia. And that was the first time it kicked off. So again, they created this dance and it was their power, their voices, their idea. And I was just the ambassador to make sure that it was executed. That's incredible. It's such an amazing program started yes. with one of the girls. It's a simple idea with profound implications and impact. 
But it's also logistically, I imagine, was a difficult program to launch. You mentioned the sheriff's giving his permission, but I mean, there are a lot of logistics to doing something like this in prisons. I know in the film, you're actually documenting the program within a DC, Washington, D.C. prison. But can you talk about just some of the logistical challenges of doing this yes. program in the prison? Yes. One thing is the permission to bring in all the things that the girls want, a cake, mm -hmm. right? <laughs> How do you get permission to bring in the cake and the decorations, the photo booth, all of the individuals who we need to help with all of the moving parts to make this a beautiful experience, right? So everyone has to get their criminal background check. You have to have permission and be clear to be able to go into the jail, all of the screening that takes place to bring in everything, to make sure that it was okay to bring a pencil in just so that the girl can write a letter to her father or we can bring pom-poms in so that they could create a special cheer together. Everything has to be screened. And that could be challenging because a lot of things that the girls wanted, you know, were told that we couldn't bring it in. And we had to figure out different ways of making it still creative and giving the girls what they wanted to experience with their fathers. But I would say that not only did we clear things, the correctional officers themselves were so intrigued and wanted to see the same impact that we wanted to see. And a lot of the things that we said that they told us no that we couldn't do, like tiaras, they got them themselves. <laughs> and they were able to make those things possible for the girls. The other logistics is just making sure that they are in agreement with even the music that we want to play, right? Because some music could be triggering. Who's going to be the DJ? Is it a DJ that we know in the community? And what has he done in the community? Does it make sense for what we wanted? But the hardest was when we asked to bring... Uh, production yeah. company, <laughs> That's that, right. that was the hardest, right? Yeah. Because working with Natalie, her list was a lot longer than mine. <laughs> yeah, and a so, lot of gear. Yes, a lot of gear and a lot of people to help. But because we had so many people in the D.C. jail, the Richmond jail, Petersburg, Goochland, all the places that we have been, they've been quite flexible because, like you said earlier, they see the impact. So the goal is to try to make it work. So that's been really amazing to have that experience. Angela just mentioned you and your crew, Natalie. Mm -hmm. How did you find out about the work that Angela was doing? And how did the two of you come together to direct this project? Yeah, so it's been such a cool collaboration. I came across Angela's TED Talk about eight and a half years ago. One of my best friends sent it to me and said, you're going to love this. It was just one of the most powerful stories I'd ever come across. It resonated with me on so many levels. But for the most part, because it spoke to the wisdom that young women have and this connection to their intuition that is so pure at, at an early age, I was so inspired by and also felt like I was always trying to get back to the person I was when I was 12. You just have a purity of like your intent and what you want to be in the world. I thought that was so beautiful. And then on top of it, our fathers are our mirrors. And you, the end of that TED Talk, Angela talks about that relationship and mirroring what you're going to attract into your life for the rest of your life. And I was like, oh my gosh. So I was on a personal level really affected by that, what work I wanted to do with my father and how he's been there for me. So it's a story that is so profound on what it's doing for these girls with incarcerated fathers and also one that I think any father and daughter would be extremely moved by and inspired by. So 
after I saw it, I contacted Angela. It took us a minute for her to get back to me. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> and then uh, eventually when she did, I went out to Richmond, Virginia to meet her and said, this would be an incredible film. Have you thought about making it a documentary? Maybe it's a short, maybe it's a series, maybe it's a feature. Don't know, like, let's chat about it. And she was like, Natalie, I'm getting inundated with directors. Like, you can meet me, but like, there's a long list. And so I was nervous and didn't know what direction she wanted to take it. And there'd been quite a lot of stories, Lisa Ling, CNN, it was covered by the news. But we, I just saw it so strongly as all about this young girl's idea and an ability to show what can happen in the world and change that can happen if we listen to young women. So I think we just really, we really got along quickly on like our vision around that. And then it's been a long journey. The first few years was really like our relationship building, learning about each other, going to Richmond a few times a year, interviewing Sheriff Woody, the first sheriff who put the dance on. Previous fathers had been through the program and we were going to film, do the film around one of the Richmond dances. And we were getting up for that. And after two and a half years, the program kind of got put on hold. So even just getting that one didn't happen. And then Clinique Chapman reached out to Angela in Washington, D.C. and said, will you consider bringing the dance? So then we went to D.C. and said, not only does Angela want to do it, but we really want to make a film about it. And would you let us not just film the dance, but all of the fatherhood therapies that are three months leading up to it, interviews, all this stuff. So it, was, it took us, yeah, the three and a half years to get the approval to film. It was a long process. But then we finally did. And then, of course, continued working together with the families for since then, the five years since the dance. One of the revelations for me in the film was learning that so-called touch visits, mm -hmm. which are physical in-person visits between those who are incarcerated and their families, are not permitted in many prisons across the country, including the prison shown in the film. Correct. Can you talk about how this prohibition on touch visits really raises the stakes for the father-daughter dance. It's a huge deal. Yes, absolutely. I was kind of unaware <laughs> that that was the situation. And it has changed over the course of time and years. Some jails and prisons still have not implemented this, but the goal is to make sure that every jail and prison has video conferencing visits, which can be quite challenging for families to really feel a connection. That is what we have experienced with these conversations with fathers and daughters. This is what is tearing the family apart. Sheriff Whitty was excited about the dance because he always would share with me that the more that the families can connect and touch and be together, the most likely that father or mother would return to the system because it's going to allow them to understand their responsibility and they're going to want to be more accountable. They're going to really think about their choices. And then also we have to understand that when the children cannot be with their family, they are impacted by the criminal justice system as well. So grades are dropping, right? They may too decide to replicate the same model that they've seen. A lot of fathers and mothers say, my parent was locked up and I said I wasn't going to do it. But then I end up following the same footsteps. What happened here? And that's because of this disconnect with the family. And so we believe that the father-daughter dance should not be this once a year. The goal is to hope that the prisons or jails where these dances are executed that they start to rethink their visitation policies. Not saying that they need to have a dance 
every week, right? But could a child come in once a week and do their homework with the parent? Can we have our religious or Bible study courses that they may go through and a family may come in and have a church service together? Are there creative ways that you can think about how visitations can happen to keep the family connection? And not only do they not return, one thing that Chef Woody also would share with me is when they have a visit from a family where they can touch, they really have better behavior. They show up even better around their own rehabilitation while they are locked inside. But he said that my residents, which I love that's what he called them, are just better human beings because they are excited about family coming or the visit they just had. So we know that it can definitely be an impact on the entire family when they're able to hug and kiss, smell that family member. They give them something, a coat that they put on. All of their senses are just on fire. And he sees that and wanted more of that for all of the residents from this dance experience. At the end of the film, there's a stat that says 95% of the fathers in the program have never returned to jail. And yes. That's an extraordinary statistic, yes. and it speaks to how brilliant this program is. Yes, and thank important. you. Yes. For you, Natalie, I'm just curious in terms of on the production side of it, you know, shooting in the prison and being in there, maybe, you know, we use this term fly in the wall, which is a misnomer, but like, what was your approach to just all the work you did to prepare your team and yourself for both shooting the dance and also the count, the 10 week counseling program that the fathers are in prior to the dance? Mm -hmm. So it was really important for us to find a way with very limited control and just how can we humanize the fathers as much as possible and just see them with such a like grounded lens and just be there for them. So there was a room that we were lucky to have the first session in that had this beautiful round window and kind of like wrap everyone in natural light. And we were like, this is perfect. So we requested to keep the circles in that space and just keep everything very intimate. Normally, Angela and I wouldn't attend those. We would just send in our cinematographer, who's a young gentleman named Cambio. His mom was incarcerated for seven years when he was younger. So he brings a lot of his own connection so he can really relate to the fathers on, on a personal way. So I think that his energy in that space also really helped bring out like a lot of empathy, a lot of trust. And with him and Chad and the fathers together, there was something like very sacred and very protected in that space. So we just respected that. It was really beautiful to see what was captured and what was spoken and keep the framing tied and really just about faces and really just what people were saying and, and being present. And we just used one camera that turned out well. And for the dance, we decided to shoot that on film again to try to have an image that was as grounded and human, soulful as possible in a space where obviously there's a lot of neon light and it's very gritty and we don't, we're not making a prison documentary. So finding a way that we could bring the most humanity possible and respect that really precious moment that would only happen once in their lives. We felt that was the best way to capture it. And because Angela has done over 12 of these, you know, she was able to work with me on how the fathers line up in the hallway, where the daughters come down. We had one chance. It's the most powerful scene in the film, this connection moment in the hallway. So it was really amazing to be able to kind of understand. I'd never experienced it before. So she was able to work with us and figure out how to capture that most effectively. 
So I'll give you a, a sneak peek into your own premiere tomorrow, which is yeah. audience will cry during that. <laughs> yeah. I know I did. But it's powerful. I've done, like she said, about 15 of them. And right after that scene, all of us, it's like six people who've been with me to all the dances. And we all have to leave the dance for a minute. Like, we, yeah, like we're like, where's the bathroom or the corner where we can go and kind of, you have to like reboot yourself, I guess I would say from that because it is different girls, different fathers, but that same experience about what we know that they're about to go through emotionally and we go through it with them. It's also where we have to take care of ourselves to help take care of them because we want the best for them. So we all can't like be breaking down. But, no, we had three, <laughs> we had three cinematographers and yeah. every single one of them was crying while operating like many moments of the dance. Yeah. It was so intense. Yeah. That was the most powerful thing I've experienced, right. for sure. And I should mention that you do follow a number of stories, daughters and their fathers and their mothers also. There are several sets of these families. You go to their homes and you shoot with them there, mm -hmm. which is obviously a very different environment, very mm -hmm. different tone, just completely different than being in a prison. What was it like to be with these families and these young girls and shooting with them in their homes? Angela yeah. really opened up that door and did a lot of work with the moms and daughters. There's the mother circle. And of course, everyone knows about Angela as a community leader. I think there was just so much trust because of like that relationship that it started. And then really like me and Cambio and our producer, Lisa, like we just, we were just about building relationships with everybody. So there was a lot of like coming to birthdays, hanging out, going to the hospital to meet one of the moms. It, that When we were filming was only like, rare moments. A lot of it was just our relationship building with them and stuff like that. So the footage ends up being so intimate because we're just always with them in their rooms, hanging out, sing a song, like look at a fish tank. It was just part of our relationship with them, which was, it took a lot of time. What I would add to that is that's where we were able to break down some of the boundaries that happen typically in docs. When Natalie asked me to be a co-director, it's because I'm coming from a different lens, right? The need to be in docs to me, to, especially this one, to be more personal with the families. And a lot of times individuals who are on the ground doing the work are not usually considered. So you th take someone like Clinique, who is the social worker, who asked to have me bring this dance into the jail, understood the why. It wasn't you know, a typical director who just said, I heard you did a dance in the jail. Can I just come record it? And I'm going to do my own thing. And then now I'm just going to have another jail movie, another jail doc. Her working with me and understanding my role in the community and understanding my role also as a Black woman who could also represent other Black mothers and understand how they may feel a little hesitant. They may be a little hesitant about you coming in and asking me to open up my world. That's usually something in the Black community that I am asked to sweep under the rug and not talk about outside of this house, right? It's my business. We are told like what happens in this house stays in this house. But I think Natalie, understanding that the relationship was key is what everyone is able to see on the screen tomorrow. It was the time the energy, thinking outside of just being a film director and understanding these were people's personal lives 
And we had to help them understand that they are collaborating with us and sharing their story with the world, not only to change the trajectory of their lives, but someone else. You are now someone that can inspire another little girl or another mother who said, oh, maybe I should get out of the way and think about visitations or pick up a call, just as you can inspire someone who may not have experienced incarceration in their family, but maybe just need to love a little differently or better in their own family. Because sometimes we take for granted what we already have and we want more is never enough. And when you see what these families are going through, you may say, I have enough and let me be grateful. So when the families understood that that was a role they could play, I believe that's why they were willing to show up and be not only willing participants, but to actually be in collaboration with the goals of daughters. And one thing to add to that was so fun about our process is because we're all about what the young girls' ideas are. We're talking about their dreams and their fantasies and their nightmares and what they would like for their scenes. Like we brainstormed with the girls on what we'd want to capture and what was important to them. So they were pretty instrumental as well in like our creative process. So this is an ensemble film. We meet a number of families, but the relationship between Aubrey and Keith is probably featured the most mm -hmm. in the film. When the film begins, Aubrey's five, age five, and Keith is facing a prison sentence of, he thinks, maybe seven or eight or more years, at least. Aubrey is a real firecracker and very, very bright, the smartest in her class. She reminds us a couple <laughs> of times <laughs> and clearly loves her and is desperate to get out of jail to be reunited with her. And this gets to the dance. They have a really strong, positive experience at the dance. But of course, the dance isn't the end of the story. And you show us where things stand one year after the dance and then three years after. And for Aubrey, she's going from age five to age eight. We see that not only has she grown older, but her relationship with her dad has evolved as well. And there's some difficult moments there. Why was it important for you both to not just show the culmination of this program and the, and the Date with Dad program, but to stay with these stories for years afterward? A few reasons. A father-daughter relationship takes many years to evolve and change both individuals. So the dance is really impactful and, and it can do a lot in that moment. But we knew that the impact of the dance could only be really felt really in the long term. And so we wanted to follow the girls until we really felt like deep interchange. And you really see that with Aubrey. And you also see that with Santana and Rosaya and the beauty and the drive and how that memory served them so much, gave them so much confidence. And they were able to connect to that feeling of love because they got to touch their father. And sadly, Aubrey represents most of the children that don't get to go to the dance that are experiencing this kind of like death inside of a family member because they don't get to have connection, they don't get to touch. And so over time, just having these calls and her dad's been sent to Texas, he's in different states. Even if there was a visit, they can't afford to go. A child that has all the potential in the world, so charismatic, so smart, and so much love between them, even that can go away so quickly and she starts to harden and feel that pain and close down. And that is so tragic and that's what's happening because of the way that connection around family is set up. And what I would add to that is I was clear with Natalie is that I wanted people to see more than the dance. When we go back to these 
the lack of touch during the visits, the dance is where they get that opportunity to touch. But what happens after the dance and how does this really truly impact the family over a course of time so that the audience could see that in your local community or if you are thinking about statewide election times, things like that, think about what's really happening with the families around you and don't be so clueless to that, oh, it was a dance, it was great, it's done, problem solved. There's other work that needs to be done, more than a dance. This program is clearly a huge success. It's an amazing program. It's not a quick fix for everything that's wrong, wrong with our prison system, of course. <laughs> yes. But what is the key to seeing that this program continues to expand into other prisons and perhaps even spawns other ideas? Yes. Well, that's what I would want. I want you to either hitch yourself to our wagon, right, and figure out what we can continue to do to really change these practices around visitation right now. Start something new if you want to. Vote differently. Really pay attention to what's happening in your community. Also, I think it's a great idea for listeners to follow daughters because we have our own impact campaign that we are going to start so that we can continue our work collectively to create the change that we know that our families would like to see and to see how people can like just get involved and join us. So those are next steps. Yeah. I would just say this is your premiere. I know you have a number of the families here. Yes. So I'm sure that tomorrow's screening will be an amazing, life-transforming experience. And I'm sure you can't wait. <laughs> Congratulations thank you on so the much. film, on being at Sundance. And thank you so much for talking with us today. Yeah, thank you for the introduction. Thank you. Yes, it's a very special day. So it's really to be here. Top Docs is a production of Wooly Media. This episode was produced by Ken Jacobson and Mike Merrill and edited by Mike.